Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 7 10 a.m. Dave Denholm here on the home of world football in Southern California. Christian Pulisic, the saga of a transfer is done. Announced earlier in the week, he's going to Chelsea in the Premiership, leaving Borussia Dortmund after this season. Remember, they're halfway through and still in the Bundesliga midwinter break there as Pulisic will wrap up this season with Dortmund and begin the 2019-20 campaign in the Premiership with Chelsea. $73 million reportedly. 73 million bones. Blows out of the water. The largest transfer for an American player. I believe I saw something on Twitter. John Brooks in the uh, Bundesliga going for like 20 plus million. 22, somewhere around there. 73 million bones. And the only thing I want to talk about is the American soccer fan. You know how much you frustrate me sometimes, right? I love you. We all realistically are one big family. Because we love the beautiful game. And let's face it, we all have a bit of a chip on our shoulder because, frankly, we're underdogs. But sometimes you kind of tick me off, right? It was the holiday season we just got through. Happy New Year, everyone. Christmas, Thanksgiving, you hang out with your family. Sometimes they tick you off. And immediately after the news comes down that the most talented American player I've ever seen so far Signs with Chelsea, not a small club, kids, in the Premiership for 73 million bones. And the first thing many American soccer fans can do is get on Twitter and say, I don't know if this is a good move. I don't know if he's good enough. What if he doesn't get playing time? (sighs) Are you insane? Are you? Seriously, go out and get some fresh air. Take the show with you. But, I mean, come on. If you're in your car and you're... Roll down your window. I don't care how cold it is out. Get some fresh air, people. Quit being such pansies. Oh, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. Uh, He should have went to a smaller Premier League club. Shut up. Let me tell you something about Christian Pulisic. First and foremost, there are a lot of layers to this, right? His mind has not been at Dortmund, in my opinion, for a while. We saw it. He hasn't been at the sh- his sharpest at times. I mean, he's had some good games, don't get me wrong, but he's getting... Jaden Sancho's been a revelation there on the wing, and Pulisic saw the, a lot of the bench. Well, one of the reasons is also, do you think Borussia Dortmund wants to trot out a $73 million asset when they know he's going to be leaving in case he gets hurt before the deal's done? You think they want to do that? Really? You don't think that was riding on Pulisic's mind, and you don't think it was riding on the minds of Borussia Dortmund's front office and personnel? Think about it. They know he's gone. They know they want to give him to the highest bidder. You think they want him out there blood, sweat, and tears in it for 95 minutes every night? Everybody knows how good Christian Pulisic is. They didn't need to put him in the shop window or whatever English reference you want me to make based on the fact he's going to the premiership. They didn't have to go shop him. Oh, everybody, look at Christian Pulisic. You know why? Because Dortmund doesn't have our inferiority complex. They know he's great. The world has seen it. He's done it not only in the Bundesliga, but in the Champions League as well. He's one of the best young players on the planet. Stop with the, oh, no, maybe he should go to Everton. He's too good for Everton. 
Oh, maybe he should go to Southampton, or maybe he should go to Bournemouth and get playing. He's way too good. They can't afford him. They're not big enough clubs. And don't at me, Southampton fans. I know you're a big club. He would never go there. But that's all American fans. I'm so worried. Maybe he should go to the the Eredivisie first to continue to develop. Shut up. He doesn't need to continue to develop. He's 20, not 14. And he's too good for American fans to be worried about. He's every bit worth $73 million, and he'll be fine at Chelsea. He'd have been fine if he went to Man United or Man City or Chelsea or Barcelona or Real Madrid. Good night, American soccer fan. Stop being such a wimp. And you know what? If he doesn't score 20 goals a year with 20 assists... So what? He's good enough, and he's worth the money, and they paid it. Does every transfer work out? No. That's not going to be the end-all, be-all. He'll be fine. And I'm telling you, it was wearing on him. We haven't seen the best out of Christian Pulisic yet. But Chelsea will. And don't give me, oh, they'll loan him out. They'll loan him out to a Dutch club. Seven, let me say that number again. $73 million. They did not pay 730000 for some whiz kid that they found in Corona at 14 years old. Right? They, they're not, they didn't even pay $7.3 million and stash him away like they do a lot of players. $73 million. Now, from the business perspective, you think Chelsea wants to loan him out to some Dutch club so everybody can go buy VV Venlo jerseys? Or FC De Graaf Shop? No! Quit being such babies. Guess what? Everything's going to be alright. The kid is good. He's the real deal. Again, is he going to turn into Aiden Hazard? Maybe. Maybe not. Is it going to be better than his art? Maybe. He's got that potential. Maybe not. Probably not. It's not the end of the world either way. Oh, what a, what a, I mean, it's just so disappointing. How everybody in America just, oh boy. Not everyone, of course. Because there's a lot of you like me that isn't worried about Christian Pulisic having success or being worth it or, oh no. Maybe he should have gone to a lesser league or a lesser team so he could make sure he gets playing time. Just stop. He's fine. The vision on this kid, the first touch. Yeah, there's a lot of things he needs to work on. The speed. Go back and watch some of his uh, highlights against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Reacquaint yourself with the kid. All right? Not over the last couple of months. But again... Don't you think there's the possibility Dortmund didn't want to trot him out every game with 70 million bones on the line so he doesn't blow out his knee before they sell him? Now, it's a harsh reality, but it can happen. Believe me, if you don't think that's the case, you're mistaken. Get over it. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. And look, sometimes, you know, if you're new to the show, we like to come out firing, but this is a big, this is a massive story. Christian Pulisic 
the biggest American transfer in world football by far, more than three times, nearly four times as much as, a, as the second biggest transfer for an American player. And we've seen Josie Altidore go over there, a couple of big transfers, a couple of eight-figure transfers in his career, different European clubs. Obviously, John Brooks, as I mentioned. You've got guys that you know, had big transfer fees previously. Clint Dempsey, Christian Pulisic blows them out of the water, and it's no surprise the kid is the real deal. How does he fit in at Chelsea? We'll see. Doesn't go in, you know, it doesn't happen until next season, remember. There's going to be a lot of upheaval at Chelsea by then. And last I checked, Willian and Pedro are not 24 years old each. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, you want to continue that conversation. Oh, man, I mean, seriously. Just don't be so worried about it, U.S. fan. Dortmund's doing the right thing, Pulisic's doing the right thing, and Chelsea is doing the right thing. Imagine the business that Chelsea's going to get now. They're already big in America, right? No doubt. You can't uh, kick a soccer ball in Santa Monica on a Saturday morning without hitting somebody in a Chelsea uni- jersey, a kit. I almost said uniform. Oh, my goodness. You're not, you can't do that. I get it. Our very own Raj Groves here at uh, ESPNLA, diehard Chelsea fan. <laughs> I know, it's absurd. But you know, that's for Raj. That's fine. He's a, he's a real fan. So he's got to be pumped because they're making the right move here with this kid. I cannot wait to see Christian Pulis. Forget this Dortmund thing. I mean, if I'm Chelsea, I almost tell Dortmund not to play him. Now Dortmund has no reason not to now. They've loaned him back to Dortmund for the year. But, I mean, I want to see him fresh and ready to go and hungry coming into the campaign for the uh, Premiership next season, 2019-20, with the Blues, with Chelsea. That is going to be fun. I might even watch the Premiership because of this. <laughs> and not only just Brighton. I might have to watch Chelsea now. Hey, I can't wait to talk about it with this guy from ESPN and ESPN FC, Craig Burley, coming up. I am Dave Home. We are going to continue the conversation here. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. It's where we continue the conversation throughout the week for Soccer Weekly, home of the world world's game here it is espnla 710 soccer weekly espnla 710 i am dave Denholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football hit me up on twitter at talk soccer the big news and the big story of the week of course the 73 million bone transfer for christian pulisic going to chelsea after the season he's been loaned back to dortmund to finish up the campaign in bundesliga action over there in Germany, and I want to be joined now by uh, ESPN and ESPN FC's Craig Burley, a guy who I enjoy watching on ESPN FC because he tells it like it is, even if I pretty much never agree with him, or very rarely, but I love the guy, and uh, Craig, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, I really appreciate it. No problem, Dave. Do you know, a lot of people say that to me, say, I never agree with you. <laughs> well, you know what, it's not even that, Greg, it's, it's all about entertainment, that's what we're trying to do here, and you know, obviously that's what soccer is, that's what football is. That's what this show is, and you are very entertaining. But I do want to jump into it. I, I admire the fact that you don't mess around. You tell it like it is, and that's the way I like to do a show. I don't completely agree with you on your Christian Pulisic take. Let's get it you know, straight from the horse's mouth here. You don't think that th- this move is just an outstanding move all the way around? I mean, are there some question marks you have about this, Pulisic going to, to Chelsea? Oh, I think, Dave, there's always question marks when, when, a, when, a, when a young player in particular yeah. uh, makes, a, makes such a big move. I, I, you know, and I think some people may, may have picked me up the wrong way, 
on this, I, I for one think uh, Pulisic is a, a is an outstanding uh, young talent. There is no yeah. doubt about that. And li- listen, since I've been in the US, and that's five years uh, since 2013 now, I've I've always got the feeling that you know the American soccer audience and the American soccer pundit is is just desperate for this next superstar. And and it's and I think it gets kind of frustrating for them. And all of a sudden. You know, and you'll know better than me. There's been a few in the past that have come through, and and people have thought, well, this guy's going to be the next big thing, and it's not happened. And and I, and I finally think that that the the U, the US finally may have somebody to hang their hat on here. But there are pitfalls, Dave. There are many, many pitfalls sure, along sure. the way for young lads. And I think it would be a dereliction of my job if I wasn't, you know, pointing some of them out. I mean, for instance, on on our ESPN FC show yesterday, I talked about. Some of the guys that have gone to Chelsea recently as youngsters and, and struggled. Mo Salah, some people may have heard of him, doing <laughs> such a great job at Liverpool. Kevin De Bruyne, uh, the list goes on and on. So I think uh, for a young Christian Pulisic, a move to West London is a fantastic move, but there will be, I think, quite a few humps and bumps along the way. Well, yeah, I completely agree with that. And we're talking with Craig Burley from ESPN and ESPN FC. Craig, what does success at Chelsea look like for him? Like, how does that happen, though? If we if we have to, you know, take take the steps forward, look into the future. If it's going to be a success between Pulisic and Chelsea, how does that how does that come about? Firstly, firstly Dave, it's game time, and we know at the moment he's he's not playing as regular at Dortmund as he has been in the past, and 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 you know that's that's okay because he's twenty and he's still young. But as you progress, 21, 22, and then all of a sudden you're not a youngster anymore in the eyes of, of owners and coaches. You have to be looking at game time now. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, if Eden Hazard goes to Real Madrid, and that's that's the the, the sort of the talk that may happen, it'll, it'll ease the pressure a little bit for the likes of Pulisic and one or two others. But it also may add the pressure because Eden Hazard at the moment, the Belgium international, is is kind of carrying Chelsea as a as a one man team. So. There will be lots of pressures. The other side of the coin, Dave, and I think you know a lot of the soccer fans are missing this. Is that is that you know people are talking about the style that Chelsea play and, and Maurizio Sarri, the Italian coach, will be really good for Christian Pulisic. I agree with that. Yeah. But you've only got to look at how many coaches Chelsea have changed in the Roman Abramovich era to realise that if Chelsea are not successful in the next fifteen months or so, Maurizio Sarri might not be the coach. Yeah. Exactly. And, exactly. And so that, that, that's a difficulty. No, he's absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at Dortmund, for crying out loud. I mean, Pulisic already has had a handful of yep. coaches in a short time, even absolutely. as successful as they are, and that's, just, that's world football. We know and that. I think, Dave, the, I think, Dave, the other thing is, and I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but we, when we went to air on our show, we didn't have these quotes, but Maurizio Sarri didn't actually know the transfer was happening mm-hmm. until less than 24 hours before Christian Pulisic completed it, so there's a clear, there's a clear message here that this is the club buying the player and the manager is being given the player and he has to deal with them. Sure. Which, I, 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 in my experience, I, I'm never quite comfortable when that happens because I like to know uh, that a manager has signed me and that manager wants me at the club, which I'm sure Mauricio Sarri does. Yeah. but he's not, he's not, he wasn't 100 uh, percent, you know, in touch with what was going on. That's a fantastic point. We're talking with Craig Burley from ESPN. A very good point there. I mean, that's kind of changed in the world's game too, in a lot of ways. Yes. Not everybody's Pep Guardiola anymore. You know, even among the big clubs, these uh, these clubs are taking a, a view of 
they need guys behind the scenes and men and women Correct. who are doing the job behind the scenes to make sure this Correct. stuff happens. And Craig, that's a great point. I will address a little bit more of that later, but I wanted to ask you, and it's a theory I had. I talked about it in the first segment. You can tell me I'm an idiot if it's wrong. I don't care. I, I, you know, That's fine. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But is there some thought, and taking nothing away from Jaden Sancho, he's been a revelation. The kid is just unreal. So I'm not trying to say anything. But is there some thought that Dortmund was like, Look, we got an asset here who could be worth as much as 60, 70 million bucks. Do we really want to trot him out for 90 minutes every game until we get this deal done? I mean, is there some of that that goes on in world football when you know the kind of talent that Pulisic is? It's not like anybody needed to really see him anymore, you know what I mean, to decide if they wanted him or not. Uh, is it is it kind of thing where Dortmund's like, we got to protect this asset on some level? I, I, I know. I'm not sure how much of that has gone on in, in this case, Dave. I know. I know it does go on. Yeah. I, I would not say it does not because clearly, you know, if you have a huge asset, you you, you can't afford that player to be missing uh, 12 months with with injury, particularly for slightly older players who whose asset value drops rather quickly. Obviously, Pulisic is uh, sure. and Chelsea will be hoping that that will continue uh, to rise. But I think maybe one of the things that's happened here is two, as you mentioned, is one is, is Dortmund have changed coaches. Is two, he might see things uh, slightly different to previous coaches. And the third, and the third point would be, and it's always difficult, would, would be surmising here, is that from Christian Pulisic himself, is that he will have known in the background that these things are going on. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, subconsciously, sometimes that can affect a player's performance. It can affect his sharpness, and it can affect how he trains and plays and. And when you put all these things into the melting pot with the emergence of Jaden Sancho and Brun Larson and the new coach, it's kind of difficult to gauge where we're at. Only the player himself will know. But what I will say, having been at Chelsea for just under 10 years myself, mm-hmm. he's moving to a fantastic club. Uh, but he's moving to a club that and an owner that demands success. You know, if you think about... You know, Dortmund maybe finished second in the. I know they're winning this season, but maybe second in the Bundesliga, and and nobody bats an eyelid. Uh, I think at Chelsea, even with Man City's dominance and even with Liverpool's performances, Roman Abramovich will demand that they are uh, competitive in Europe again in the Champions League, and that they are competing for the Premier League. And if they don't compete and win the Premier League in the next 18 months, then then they will change manager and they will change players. That's how they operate. That's the scenario that Pulisic has gone into. But I do think he can handle it well. He seems to me to have a very, very educated and mature head on young shoulders. I think he's ready for the move. And I hope he gets the game time because if he doesn't get the game time, it's going to be a problem. Well, from one great club in the Premiership to another, from Chelsea to Man United, my final question for you, Craig, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is there something he could do to keep this job? I mean, do they have to, like, I mean, it's a whole different atmosphere. He's changed everything, and obviously I know the schedule was very favorable, and they were smart yes. when they brought him in because it looked like it was going to be some games they could win. I think that was a brilliant move, actually. But, you know, at some point, Craig, it's all about winning, right? If he has, you know, big success, you got to take the interim tag off this guy. It's kind of like my Cleveland Browns. You know, at some point, <laughs> the new guy is doing better than you've seen in a while here. At what point can Sochar maybe win this job? Well, you get the new guy effect now and again, and, you, and you're right. You yeah. also get the, uh, the the scheduling, which Man United fans, just among many, absolutely love to hate me because <laughs> I, 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 I said yesterday on the show that they played the dregs of the Premier League. Yeah, which, yeah. Which they have. Yeah. Which they have. But, you know, I think the worry is, is that is that 
uh, United board get carried away and all of a sudden they see Solskjaer as the replacement. I, I, I personally uh, don't think he is because you think about it in the bigger picture, Dave. When they get to the end of the season and assess where they are, no matter how well he's done with this squad, Man United is a rebuilding job and it's a rebuilding job, job not just to challenge Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and the rest, but it's to challenge Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus because that's where they've been in the last 25 years with Sir Alex Ferguson. And as bright and as bubbly and as smiley as Solskjaer is, yeah. I just don't think he's the guy to do that rebuilding job. Yes, he's mm-hmm. the guy to put a smile back in the face. Yes, he's the guy to put an arm around them to get results short-term. But I think long-term for Man United, Dave, there is a bigger, much more important picture here. Well, this man got it as a player, and he gets it as a pundit. It's all about entertainment. Craig Burley, thanks so much for joining us. We love your work on ESPN FC, and uh, really appreciate the time. Thank you. No worries, Dave. And if you want me to upset people in the West Coast more often, you can give me a ring. Oh, I'll have to call you up and ask you about LAFC. It's a, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Craig Burley from ESPN and ESPN FC. Former great player and now a great pundit. I, like I said, I told him I don't agree with him ever. Now, that's a little overstatement. I love ESPN FC, and I don't always agree with him. But he gets it. It's about entertainment. It's about telling it like it is. And I love talking to him. And I really appreciate Mario for setting that up. Craig Burley, and thanks for his opinions on Christian Pulisic and Man United. We continue going on. We'll have Ryan Wallerson coming up with the Black and Gold Breakdown. He covers the LAFC beat for the Athletic. That's next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. A great conversation there on Christian Pulisic. If you missed any of it, you can podcast this show each and every week. It comes out virtually right after the show is done on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or the ESPN Pod Center. Just search for Soccer Weekly. Appreciate the subscribe rate and review. I've been in radio 30 years. I can take a bad review. If you don't like the show, that's fine. Just let me know. I get it. Absolutely. Hey, you know what I do love, though? Nobody's going to give a bad review to the first season of LAFC, and it's time now for the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. As we head into the second season for LAFC and their history here in MLS, I wanted to talk with Ryan Wallerson from uh, The Athletic. He covers the Black and Gold, and he's at RC Wallerson on Twitter. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, my man. Thanks so much for having me on. Ryan, let me ask you something here. Um, LAFC, the first season, what were your thoughts on covering this team? How, how did it go from your perspective as a journalist and, and being around this team as a first-year organization? Well, you know, I also covered New York City uh, in their inaugural season coming up in 2015. And I have to say that from the moment I got around Los Angeles Football Club, I sensed that they had a bit more direction in where they wanted to go from the moment they, you know, dipped the toe into MLS. Even from before the season began, the way I saw the team go about their roster acquisition, their, you know, fan interaction, building their supporter group from a from a pretty far point out, I could tell that LAFC was trying to build something special, especially when you saw how long-sighted their decision was to enter the league in 2018 as opposed to 2017, make sure they had their soccer-specific stadium. You know, Carlos Vela, their first DP, obviously a great signing with the World Cup cycle. Uh, from first impression, this team looked like it was going to have a successful inaugural season, and then they followed through on the field. 
Well, and you mentioned, this is a great point, you mentioned NYCFC, you covered New York City coming to the league. They've done very well for themselves, really, since their inception. They've been a threat at least. Well, it took them a little while, but, you know, they've been a very good organization. Ryan, what's the danger of the second year for an MLS club that's had success, like LAFC did, making, you know, third the third seed in a tough Western conference, uh, most points for an expansion team. What's the danger going into year two potentially for this team? I think the sophomore slump is a real thing across professional sports, uh, both individually and as a new team. I think that there's a certain, there's a certain boost, a certain wave of energy that comes with any inaugural season. Uh, You know, it's new, it's fresh. There's novelty that gets people interested, but after all of that stuff falls away, the on-field element is, is what's going to keep people, you know, coming to games. And I think LAFC has a very strong on-field element, but I think that the key for them in their second year is actually in the stands and how well they continue to connect with their supporters because LAFC's excellent home record as opposed to their subpar away record, I think a huge part of that is literally just the the energy, the kinetic energy that comes from the fans in the stands. Um from a certain element, I think that maintaining their connection to the team through the uh, to the streets through the off season and making sure that they keep selling out that stadium is going to be a big thing for them. On the field, I think that the team did so well in its first year that it's you know it's tough to it's tough to do better than all the records sure. they broke for an inaugural team in MLS. But I think that the main thing that LAFC needs to work on to make sure that they don't regress is building out a more complete team on all three levels. They were excellent up front. They were very good in the middle. But the defensive line was their weak point pretty much all season. And I think that you've seen the most activity in the off season on that level, on that back line. And that's where you're going to look for improvement so that the team can at least do as well as it did in its first year. He covers the black and gold for The Athletic. Ryan Wallerson joining us here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA 710 at RC Wallerson on Twitter. You mentioned that, Ryan, and I couldn't agree more with your assessment going from front to back. Uh, there hasn't been, haven't been a lot of moves. Eddie Segura, of course, comes in. There's been a few moves for black and gold. We thought the roster would be pretty much uh, similar, at least not a huge amount of turnover. But uh, are you hearing any rumblings? Is there still work to be done with John Thorrington in this, uh, this roster before the training camp begins? Uh, trading John Moutinho for Mohamed Elmanir, the Orlando City defensive winger, I think yeah. is a very good move. He's some who can attack on from all three levels. He can give you a service in the back, but he can also help you finish offensive adventures up front. I think that the uh, like the Mohamed Elmanir acquisition, Eddie Segura is somebody who they scouted and the team scouted in South America. They really like his on-field profile. He's only 21, but he's been a captain of a team before, so they love his leadership qualities as well. Uh, I think that the combination of the acquisitions they've made slightly offset the loss, the potential loss of Walker Zimmerman. They also recently re-signed Danilo Silva, so that would kind of solidify their position in the center, and that's where I think they need to put the most attention because their play defensively on the outside that they had, you know, the turnover with Simon leaving in the middle of the season in the center, I think they'd like to shore that up properly to open 2019. Ryan, uh, let me ask you something about the upfront. You know, they, they were successful with Carlos Vela, of course, and Diego Rossi having brilliant seasons. And then, you know, they rode the hot hand. Adama Diamande, a fine season, had some really hot streaks in there. Christian Ramirez, maybe a little bit less so. 
Uh, where do we go from here? Is it is it Adama Diamande and then fill in the blanks after that up front? You know, I think that when you look at a team like LAFC that had three different players for offensive production, but didn't get a full season out of any of those three players. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at Adama Diamande's late arrival, Carlos Vela's World Cup time away, and also Diego Rossi was kind of challenged by Coach Bradley in the middle of the season for a lack of production and also missed that a full season from all three of them could see potentially all three of them have better seasons than they did in, 20, in 2018. So I think that the front line for LAFC should it shouldn't fall off too much from 2018, especially considering that their backup striker, Christian Ramirez, I think is a stronger asset than Marco Odenia was to open last year. Ryan Wallerson at RC Wallerson on Twitter covers LAFC for the Athletic, and he joined us here for the Black and Gold Breakdown. Ryan, thanks so much for your insight. We appreciate it. Looking forward to the next season, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much for having me on. Can't wait to join you again. And once again, Happy New Year. Same to you. Ryan Wallerson of The Athletic, who covers LAFC, and we appreciate his work there. Check him out on Twitter, at RC Wallerson. And, yeah, that's interesting. I I don't disagree at all with his assessment on where the strengths were and where maybe they have to shore up, certainly. I like Eddie Segura. I like the acquisition. We talked about that when they signed him. Getting back to Nilo Silva is a good, solid move. I mean, look, he, he had some ups and downs like every player does, but he had a lot more ups. And then, of course, bringing back Jordan Harvey now, I think the back line should be, should be better, certainly, and they have to play better. They did, they did really well at times, frankly. And then, of course, with Tyler Miller, they're going to have to look for a backup goalkeeper just to make sure they have somebody backing up Tyler in case, you know, heaven forbid, an injury or something. But Miller had a good season last year. He'll be fine for that, you know, in, in goal. But I really appreciate Ryan joining us for the Black and Gold Breakdown. You know, the big news for LA Galaxy, of course, is the official announcement of Guillermo Vero Scalotto coming over from Boca Juniors to be the manager, the new manager under Dennis DeClusa, the technical director for LA Galaxy. And, you know, let's be realistic here. It heats up the rivalry even more because Scalotto is a fine manager. He knows MLS. He played in it. He won a championship in it. Under the great Siggy Schmid, God rest his soul. And we do want to mention, you know, obviously... We, uh, you know, the passing of Siggy and, and all of that and all he meant to. We're going to do more on that, you know, and just to get people's reactions even, you know, down the line as we, we want to continue to uh, honor the memory of Siggy Schmid. But Scalotto winning the title with Schmid and the uh, Columbus crew, so he knows the league. And it's just, it's a great hire. Bottom line, it is, it is a scary hire for LAFC because... Frankly, the Galaxy were a bit of a mess the last couple of seasons, and it was a perfect time for LASC to jump on that. And the rivalry games were great. LA Galaxy held their own and then some, don't get me wrong. Scalotto, though, is the real deal as a manager. So this is, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be successful with the Galaxy. There's still some question marks for uh, you know Galaxy on the pitch, especially defensively. He's going to have to sort that out. So it's not as though I expect the Galaxy to go tearing up the standings from 7th to 1st or anything like that. But Scalotto certainly, at long term, looks like a guy that can really be a good hire. And he's going he's gonna to put together what I believe will be a very interesting... Uh, not the format. If you watch Boca Juniors, I mean, I don't believe he's going to play exactly the same way. I mean, the one thing about Scalotto as a player is the dude just went out 
and he knew where he had to be at all times. He knew what had to, you know, where he had to go on the pitch. He knew could read the game so much better than virtually anybody else who he was playing against and with, quite frankly, most of the time. That he kind of saw the game a little different than everybody else, and he does that as a manager as well. So I'm intrigued by what he might do. I don't believe it's going to be, you know, some a rigidity to him where he's going to he's going to have to figure out his personnel, and he's going to work around them. Of course, when you have Zlatan up front, you know you've got that to work around, no doubt about it. So you know, I, I honestly, I definitely think that it's a great hire, and I'm just I'm just curious to see. What happens with how he goes about with this roster? They still have work to be done defensively, much like LAFC did coming into the offseason. We'll see how that all shakes out here between the two rivals. Thanks again to Ryan Walterson. That was the Black and Gold Breakdown. Talking a little Galaxy. Your thoughts on Scalotto? Your thoughts on what LAFC have done in the offseason? You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Would love to hear from you there as we always continue the conversation. Still so much more to get to, including stoppage time. All of that coming up next. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly and the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Thank you, Steely Voice Radio Man. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Dunholm hanging out with you. Oh, what a revelation Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been for Man United since the... Special one, Jose Mourinho saw the door for the Red Devils. They are unbeatable since he's gone. And since caretaker manager Solskjaer, the former Man United great himself, has taken over. It's been a revelation. Players coming out saying, oh, it's so much fun to play for him. Well, hey, look, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, this was a very very opportune time to take over Man United. They did a good job, did United, in making the move when they did, not only because of the time of year or where they were in the standings, no, not only that, but really more so about what was coming up for the team and the schedule of games that were coming up. And they gave Solskjaer a golden opportunity to kind of get results. You know what I mean? As quickly as possible. Now, no disrespect to some of these teams, but it was a good stretch for who Man United's been playing under Solskjaer. Now, he's gotten results. As I mentioned, they're winning. And that's all that matters. He's he's taken over and they can't lose. So kudos and good on him for that. Make no mistake, but, you know, things are going to get tougher here. And we'll see what happens. I love what he's doing. Don't get me wrong. And Jose Marino needed to go. Goodbye. Good riddance. He wasn't getting the job done. Obviously, if Solskjaer can keep this kind of pace going, and I'm not saying you're going to win every, you know, of course, you're not going to win every game. It's going to be tough. But obviously, if he can keep this going, a 5-1 win over Cardiff, 3-1 over Huddersfield, 4-1 over Bournemouth, for example. Again, that doesn't necessarily translate against everybody, but pretty darn good results and then a 2-0 victory over uh, Newcastle yesterday so 4 from 4 doesn't get any better than that I'm pretty good at math 12 points from 4 is as good as you get so my thought is look it's kind of akin to my Cleveland Browns in the NFL right if Solskjaer is going to you know he's a caretaker manager he's interim you know we'll see what happens he's not losing he's turned it around He's getting the players to play for him and to play at a high level. 
regardless of what who scheduled. Greg Williams, Cleveland Browns, interim head coach. They won five out of eight. A team that hadn't won five games in four years, basically. How can you not consider him? Now, that doesn't mean Solskjaer is the best choice. Just like Greg Williams for the Browns, probably not the best choice. How do you not consider him? And we'll see if Solskjaer can continue this. And by the way, you know the guy has been managing before. It's not like the kid does, hasn't done it. I like Solskjaer. And I think he's a good manager. Maybe he's not the absolute right fit at this time for Man United. But you got to like what he's doing. You got to appreciate what he's doing. Just in this short time, getting it turned around. So crucial. And it's just a different atmosphere. It's just a different... I mean, the bottom line is, look, sometimes in sports, and I've been around a lot of teams, in a lot of locker rooms, covered a lot of teams over years. Sometimes in sports, there's just that the pall over a team that they're just not going to get over. It doesn't matter about talent. doesn't matter about how good they are or how they should be playing. It doesn't matter even about how great the manager is. Sometimes they can't get out of their own way. And Jose Mourinho couldn't get out of his own way by the time everything was said and done for United. And it was time to make that move. And Solskjaer just kind of opens the gates, takes the pressure off, players can go play again, and now you're seeing results and you're seeing good football, most importantly for Man United. If that continues, you have to consider him full-time for the job. I know he's not the biggest name or the most glamorous hire, potentially, but come on. At this point, if you're Man United, that should be low on the list of priorities. I know you're a super club, and you can't just go out and hire some Sunday leaguer to go manage you. I get it. But you also got to be sensible and be smart about it, for crying out loud. Unbelievable. What, what does this mean for Jose Mourinho, too? Like, who's going to step up to hire this guy at this point? He's miserable. He makes your club miserable. He makes your players miserable. It is still entertainment. Much like I tell people about radio, right? Yeah, we I do sports talk radio for decades. It's not about sports. It's about entertainment. The Lakers are about entertainment. They happen to play basketball while doing it. Jose Mourinho's a soccer manager, meaning his team has to entertain. It's about entertainment. And he's not very entertaining. Hopefully he can kind of find himself again that way in his next job. What time is it? Well, it's time for the most entertaining segment of all of radio. It is stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah, stoppage time. It's stoppage time. Right now. Joining us is the producer of this show and the producer of the LAFC broadcast here on ESPN LA 710. And he is the host of Stoppage Time, the great Mario Reyes. Mario. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, my man. Not only the most entertaining segment here with Stoppage Time, but the most entertaining hour in ah, all of radio. This it is does it go right fast, here. doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Of course it does. Uh, Dave, you were talking about uh, Pulisic and uh, Chelsea's manager, Mauricio Sarri. He admitted that he was unaware of Chelsea's move to sign Christian Pulisic from uh, British Dorman until it was already completed. He said, I didn't even know anything about Christian Pulisic yesterday. Uh, that's what Sorry told uh, BBC Sport after the game. The club asked my opinion about him one month ago, and my opinion was positive. And then I knew the deal was done today, but I, I didn't know anything. That's what he says. Well, it's very interesting, Mario, and, and, it, and I'll tell you why. Because oftentimes in the that level of world football, right, and when we talk about that level, Mario, you know, but you know, the listener, you know, we're talking about Chelsea, Man United, Man City, uh, Tottenham, 
Barcelona, Real Madrid, the big names, Bayern Munich, Dortmund, all the, the top, all you know, the Juventus. Oftentimes we assume the manager has all the power. Right, Mario? You know what I mean? Like, it's right. just, he's right. Yeah, they might have a director, a technical director, or somebody that's considered, quote-unquote, what we would call a GM. But realistically, we always assume that Pep Guardiola, and maybe he does, all these managers have all the power. Well, it kind of just shows you that Chelsea, they're doing things behind the scenes bigger than Mauricio Sarri. Well, in some sports, and some uh, managers actually do have a lot of power. Yeah, but actually absolutely. Some don't. Absolutely. But what it shows me is, they're not assuming Mauricio Sarri is going to be there for 15 years, in ah. other words. You know, like it's not this – is, this is world football, and you know, Mario, yeah. that they, they hire and fire guys like they change underwear, you know, at times <laughs> with managers. I mean, they can't get rid of every player, so they're, you know, the managers are on the hot seat. So, Somebody's got to take the blame. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost akin to – back in the day when I covered USC – and Pete Carroll was, you know, having his great run with the Trojans. You can hear them here on ESPN LA 710. And they were winning national titles and playing for national titles, Mario. Somebody had practiced one day as the season was winding down, and somebody asked him about, you know, you started to see NFL scouts around, Mario, a lot more towards the end of the year. You know, yeah. they're getting ready for, you know, maybe they're starting to think about the draft coming up. So somebody asked him, like, do Pete, do the NFL teams call you for your opinion? Because there were so many USC players that were going to be drafted and so many great USC players. Mm-hmm. And essentially what Pete Carroll said, I'm not going to put you know the exact quote or put words in his mouth, but he essentially said, no, not really. They don't. They trust in their own you know, assessment. They don't really care what my opinion is, essentially. At least not all teams. It's kind of akin to that. They don't really care what Mauricio Sarri thinks of Christian Pulisic, amazingly enough. Because he's not going to be there for 15 years. You know, like, <laughs> he's, just, he's the manager. He's just the manager. And so, look, is it kind of intriguing to hear that? Yeah, it's a little maybe scary for American fans because they're so worried about it. Mario, what's your assessment on my – back in the first segment, I went off saying that American fans are too worried ah. about, oh, you know, oh no. what is your assessment of that on Pulisic? Look, a lot of times people forget there's injuries as well. And yeah. all it takes is one injury for Pulisic to get in there and get plenty of uh, playing time and to prove himself. And once he does that, I don't think any manager would take him out. Uh, he's going to earn that playing time, and it's going to be well-deserved. Do you agree with me that you don't spend 73 million bones to be worried about? You know what I mean? Like, they're not spending $73 million to hopefully someday play this kid for a few minutes. That's ridiculous. Right. They obviously see a little something in him. <laughs> they have a little bit of faith in him. It's one of the biggest transfers ever. It's in, like, the top 30 of all time, and he is American. But, you know, Mario, it's still that stain of American, quote-unquote. You know, in quote. I mean, it just is. People are still worried about it. Even American football fans are worried about it. American soccer fans are panicked about it, let alone the rest of the world. Oh, he can't be good enough. And that's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. Great stuff all the way around. Mario, you got another story for me here? Yes, I do. Let's bring it back to MLS here. We got some MLS news. According to MLSsoccer.com, Tim uh, Bezbachenko is leaving the role of general manager of Toronto FC, and he's making the move to Central Ohio to become the new president of Columbus Crew. Now, what does this mean for the crew, Dave, who will be under new ownership? Well, what it means for the crew is what it means for crew fans. They ought to be very happy. Because it means the Columbus crew, under new ownership, under the Cleveland Browns owners, in fact, D and Jimmy Haslam and another gentleman, uh, I think it's James Edwards or something, those three, I believe, are the principal owners. It means they're going to be willing to spend some money. Tim Bezbachenko's not leaving Toronto FC, Mario, for a job in Columbus with the crew if they're just going to kind of 
half-heartedly go right. about this. You know what this I mean? This is a like great get, thing here, yeah. Getting a new stadium. This guy is a big-time MLS executive. He done, he's done very well in Toronto building that team up. So he has to know they're going to be willing to shell out money to bring in a really qu- top-quality roster. Not to say that Columbus hasn't been a decent franchise. Certainly they've had some success, and they've done very well based on you know somewhat of a shoestring budget at times. But this is a big move. And it just, that's the first thing that struck me, Mario, was like, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't really care as much about, you know, the off the field or behind the scenes, who's running things. This guy is a big time MLS executive who's had success. And it just shows to me that these new owners mean business. They're serious about this when it comes to rebuilding the Columbus crew in Columbus. Great stuff, Mario, as always, buddy. Good job, Man, Dave. You know what? More When you throw in the MLS stories, I just can't wait for the season to get going. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, by the way, yeah, just to let everybody know, earlier, I think it was earlier in the week, maybe even in the weekend, uh, LAFC announcing that friendly against Vissel Kobe of uh, of Japan. So guess who? Yeah, some pretty big names on that team coming Ooh, up for that star January study. 31st. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you heard of Andres Iniesta? Ah, yes, I have. Yeah, have you heard of him? Have you heard of David Villa or Lucas Podolski? Yeah, those are the guys Ooh. who are going to be coming for, a, uh, I think it's a three-game tour, and one of those games will be at Bank of California Stadium on the January 31st. Go to LAFC.com, by the way. I'm, it's, you know, if you want to get tickets or whatever, check it out. I, I highly recommend, even though it's like a preseason friendly, there are going to be a lot of... I mean, we saw that friendly Mario in May with Pulisic and Borussia Dortmund. That was a great game. Great environment, too. It was. Oh. They both went tooth and nail in that 1-1 draw. That was fun. Yeah, that was. I would expect nothing less from a, the Japanese squad... Kobe coming in with those stars as well. The, speaking of stars, the great Mario Rees runs this show and runs stoppage time like nobody's business. Thanks so much to him. Thanks to Jesse and Michael and Steve and Adam and all the gang behind the scenes. I'm Dave Dunholm. Hit me up on Twitter. Let's continue the conversation at Talk Soccer. Always a lot of fun here. Go get the podcast on iTunes or your favorite pod catcher or pod center over at ESPN. Just search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. As always, I am Dave Dunhome, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.